We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden in partnership with 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, is Justin Mello, and we are ready to preview the Houston Texans as we forget about the four-game losing streak and look forward to a potential win, maybe. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing well. I think maybe is the big question there, right? Uh, You got to be careful when uh, just penciling in wins for the Titans right now. When you're on a four-game losing streak, you're playing a Texans team that's been playing better football lately. Almost upset the Chiefs, almost upset the Cowboys. Certainly, you got to approach this one with some caution. I think Kevin Byard said after Sunday... we're a team that looks like we can't beat anybody right now, right? So that sentiment is very true, and they've got to be careful with the Houston Texans coming up here. Yeah, and we mentioned it on the recap episode. The Titans don't technically need this game because if they beat the Jags in Week 18, they will win the division, but it'd be nice to put some distance back between them and the Jaguars, so hopefully they can get a win here. But what I really want to see in this game and in the rest of this season up until Week 18 is potential development from some of the younger guys We've seen Roger McCreary really starting to come on lately after getting, you know, he was allowing, I think, the most yards of any cornerback in the league at one point this year. Um, but that near interception against the Jag Jacksonville Jaguars that turned into a Zay Jones touchdown, then he comes back the following week and actually makes, I mean, he doesn't technically get the interception for this. It goes to Josh Kalou, but one of the best plays I've ever seen on defense to force an interception in the Chargers game and playing better football. So let's see Roger McCreary continue to develop. Let's see Nicholas petit Frere not give up horrible sacks minutes into or sorry seconds into a play on a play action play like the sack he gave up against the Chargers was off play action and still Tannehill felt like he was hit immediately let's see Chig Aquanco continue to make great plays in the passing game being more and more involved in the offense hopefully Traylon Burks can get back healthy and play a little more in this in this game and over the last few weeks because it'd be nice to see the Titans young receiver start to blossom into the star he can be but that's what I'm looking for over the course of this season anything you're looking for in particular or should we just get specifically into this game no, I think we should get right to it. We got a great guest. I'm excited to pick his brain. Uh, we got some good questions for him regarding the Texans and the, the the direction of the team, the future direction of the team, but also the current form that they're uh, shocking the nation with right now. All right. All right. Let's welcome in our guest now. Cole Thompson is the host of Just Saying It on the Sports Map Radio Network. Also covers the NFL and college football for Fan Nation. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Cole Thompson. Cole, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I think I'm doing a lot better than most Tennessee Titans fans because at least we've been watching competitive football in Houston the last couple of weeks. Albeit, you know, never say never, you're still losing football games, which I guess is a win because everyone in the city wants Bryce Young and you're inching closer and closer basically to say, hey, number one pick, come on down, baby. Yeah, I guess there's a light at the end of the tunnel for Texans fans. <laughs> there's very little. I mean, honestly, I think that the biggest Christmas gift that people would get this weekend is securing the number one pick. That way they can already plan on figuring out their draft board, who they want to target in in each round. And I I think if you get a couple more losses from Cleveland as well to maybe get two top 10 picks, it's not that bad of a year because no one expected anything from this team. Like, I mean, I know there were people out there saying, oh, five wins. 
they, they were a three-win roster at best, and they've almost gotten three wins, so maybe they're still a three-win roster. I mean, never say never in the NFL, especially with Lovey Smith defense playing like Lovey Smith defense in 2005. I mean, I guess that's a positive, but no, yeah. I, I think that everyone wants that number one pick, and it's like, oh, good competitive football, still losing, still number one. It's not as bad as you might want to make it out to be. Right. Yeah, cool. We're going to get into that actually in, in a second, but I, I do want to start with the recent performances, right? They almost stunned the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on Sunday. Really, what a shot. I mean, took that game to overtime. Nobody saw that coming. They almost stunned the Dallas Cowboys the week before, right? As you said, they're playing good competitive football against two of the best teams in the NFL. So I'm curious to get your take on A, what happened, and B, are they, they're a one-win team, but are they better than they're getting credit for? Yes and no. I think the best way I can put it is that they're playing up to the level of competition that they're facing, but at the same time, everyone's playing down to the level of competition they're facing. I mean, you're watching Houston's defense play complimentary football. The last two weeks, they've had at least two turnovers. The last three weeks, they've had at least one turnover. They've done a really nice job eliminating big-time plays down the field. I mean, yesterday, Patrick Mahomes threw one of the most beautiful deep balls that you'll see this past weekend, and Justin Watson could have come up with a catch. So, I mean, they got a big, big, big break there, but they still are finding ways to create turnovers, which is a big staple of the Levy Smith defense. And they're really doing it without one of their key playmakers. I mean, you haven't seen Derek Stingley be out there for the last three weeks. He's already been shut down for the remainder of the year. You have three nickel defenders all playing your defensive back roles and Desmond King and Tremont Smith on the outside with Javier Thomas in the nickel, which has been kind of impressive in itself. They're adding a lot more pressure on the on the offensive line. So they're getting to the quarterback a lot faster, which is something that I noticed in yesterday's game. And Lovey Smith does this really awesome thing where he's doing a lot more delayed blitzes. And you kind of saw that the last two weeks where Blake Cashman came up and got a big time sack on third down and overtime against Patrick Mahomes. The week before Christian Harris came in and delivered a blow against uh, Dak Prescott that led to the interception. There's been a couple of plays to where defensively you're starting to see them really come together. They're adding pressure. They're playing complimentary football on the back end. But I think the real telling point has been the offensive line, which has been a major factor for this team. And a lot of people like to crap on the offensive line because, oh, Davis Mills isn't playing well. Oh, they aren't able to run the football. They haven't allowed a sack in three weeks, and they've only allowed two sacks in the last four games. And they're doing it with a guy in Titus Howard having to move inside a left guard because they're injured prone with Kenyon Green right now. So I thought it was really telling to see how you have a guy that's playing at a Pro Bowl-like level, finally kind of hitting his stride for a first-round pick. But you move him back to his position that he sucked at last year. I mean, there's no other way to put it. He was got off on a left guard last year. And he played really well. And Charlie Heck also played extremely well. And I think the biggest takeaway you can say is that these aren't teams that are lackluster or underwhelming in terms of pass rush. Kansas City ranks top five in sacks. And then Dallas, going into that game, led the NFL in sacks and in pressures. They did not allow a single sack, and they only allowed 11 total pressures in the last two games. I, I mean, it really comes down to three main things. They don't have the weaponry and the offensive personnel. I mean, Chris Moore's your leading receiver. I mean, that, that, that should tell you everything you need to know about the passing attack. Damian Pierce, the only really key offensive player, is now done for the year with a foot injury, and yet they still can't move the football even with Damian Pierce. And the quarterback position, Davis Mills is a fine backup. I don't think anybody out there can say Nick Casario whiffed on the pick completely because he's come in, he's shown that he can be capable of leading an offense if there's enough dynamic pieces around them, but there aren't enough dynamic pieces around them. And when you have that happen, that kind of is where your team is as a roster. So they are playing up to a certain standard that I think a lot of people are saying they really are close and they have been close to at least getting a few wins this year. They've been in about five or six games that could have swung either way. But at the same time, 
you also got to take a little bit of consideration. Kansas City played down to their level yesterday. They had over 521 yards of offense, and they still had to go to overtime to where Jarrett McKinney has to run it in because of a Davis Mills fumble. Dallas is a game away from clinching the NFC, uh, clinching an NFC playoff spot last week, and they tumble because of everyone else is falling around them. So it's a mix of both. I think that they're probably more so this three to four win roster, but they probably are only doing that because of teams are also playing down to their level. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, they are clearly playing hard for coach Lovey Smith and you mentioned, you know, just how much they seem to be coming together as the season progresses. I'm curious what you think the chances are of Lovey Smith going one and done like David Coley did before him, or have you seen enough improvement throughout the year with a roster that we know is not as talented as some in the league to think that maybe they'll bring Lovey back next season? It's challenging because the problem is when you have a general manager like Nick Casario, who has had back-to-back head coaching hires, you usually don't get a third. Like that's the main thing about NFL GMs. You get two hires at the most. And then by the time the third one comes around, you're either shown the door with him or something is completely wrong with this franchise. But you are looking in the, and this is my main role I've always had. If your offense is struggling and you're an offensive coordinator and you can't get the job done, you should probably be on the hot seat. If you're a defense coordinator and you can't get the job done, you should be on the hot seat. The last several games, Lovey is doing enough to where you can say, there's a conversation for him to be back. And I know that there's a lot of players in the NFL that have respect for him. There's a lot of coaches around the league that have a ton of respect for him. But the main thing that I take away is that there's no, in my opinion, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no second half resets. There's no adjustments made by this defense. And that's been a big deal this entire season. They've tried to play for the tie more than they played for the win, which sometimes is a little infuriating. And there have been moments where there just feels like a lackluster, uh, you know, overall demeanor in the locker room, which is very telling for an organization that did feel at one point this year maybe could have turned the corner if Davis Mills was, you know, was playing consistent football, if the wide receivers were playing up to a certain standard. I can't say either way. I think I would be more so hesitant to say that Nick Casario is on the hot seat because he has at least done a decent job with the draft picks in a certain sense first per se. Nico Collins, when he's out on the field, has been a complimentary number two receiver. I think when you look at Damian Pierce, home run hit for the fourth round pick. Christian Harris is starting to come on a little bit inside linebacker. Derek Singley, they believe in him long-term. Jalen Petrie, he's a hit or miss every single week, but the biggest thing about him is when he hits, he can play like a Pro Bowl safety. So there's reasons to say that he will be back, but I would not be shocked either way that both get shown the door or both are brought back next year. I, I really think that these last three games will solidify one of those two answers. Interesting. Cole, you brought up Bryce Young before we even had a chance to. It kind of goes to show where the line of thinking is in that city and within that fan base right now. Um, they're, they're awfully close to clinching the number one overall pick. It certainly looks like they're going to have that selection. Uh, is Bryce Young, from what you're hearing in the city, got the clear-cut choice at number one for this team? I can just tell you that I was talking to a few players around the league, and the first thing they always ask me as an Alabama grad is, what do you think of Bryce Young? And the first thing I say is that he has pocket awareness that is already, in my opinion, top 10 in the NFL. I mean, if you watch him play in the SEC and you watch him go against these pass rushers, these guys who are just six foot five, 300 behemoth man, and he just is able to step up in the pocket and deliver clean, quick strikes – I mean, there's very few NFL players that are doing that at this level. And I think that's the biggest thing you can take away from him. My only concern with Bryce is not the height and it's not the weight. 
It's the rest of the roster. And that's a big deal when you're looking at the Texans. They are the worst run defense in the NFL. And there is a guy by the name of Jalen Carter who may be the best defensive lineman since Aaron Donald in terms of defensive tackles, especially for a four-man front. His ability to disrupt up the middle, blitz through the A-gap, add that pressure, overpower offensive linemen like it's no one's business is exactly what this defensive front needs. But the problem is when you're a roster that has five wins in two years as a general manager, you have to take a quarterback. You have to be able to say, this is our future. This is the way that we believe in the organization. This is the way that we can set the tone moving forward. Plus, we have seen the surplus of wide receivers meeting up with former quarterbacks when they get to the NFL. Uh, you look at Devonta Smith with Jalen Hurts. You see Tua Tungavailoa with Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. You have that in John Mechie. He's already on the roster, and people kind of forget about him because he's been out for the entire year on the NFI list. There's already that repertoire and that consistency to where you may feel like you're already going to have that security blanket in the slot to where he's going to be able to keep moving the sticks. But I just look right now, I feel like that if you're trying to get the best overall prospect on the board, Jalen Carter's probably the selection. But if you have to take a quarterback, I don't trust that C.J. Stroud is going to be able to work in every style of offense. I have never been a fan of Will Levis from the get-go. I actually had Hendon Hooker higher on my draft board than anyone else probably at the start of the season. I just love what Hendon was able to do, even though it's a one-scheme offense. And I feel like that if you were going to take a risk on a player, Anthony Richardson with that Cleveland Browns pick makes more sense only because of his upside. But at the same time, you have to get the right offensive coordinator in with him. And if you don't get the right offensive coordinator, it's a waste of a pick. And you've seen that happen before where we bet on these traits and these intangibles for a player and they never pan out. So in my personal opinion, if Bryce is not the pick at number one, they have to go defense. They really have to go Jalen Carter, but it's a two-man race. And it feels like that the way that the offense is running, and especially after yesterday where it looked like a caricature cartoon of the fumble just flying forward like it was a fake punt kind of situation, that to me is the only sign I need to go, you got to get the Alabama quarterback. Yeah, need a new quarterback so you can stop rotating two guys in like a college offense. It's so interesting how Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll are both playing snaps out there. Um, Before we wrap up, Cole, we want to thank you for your time here, but we have one final question. We always close these guest spots with some game flow thoughts and predictions for the game. So if you had to guess how this game will unfold, what would you say? And if you have a final score prediction, what would you go with? I think what's going to be really telling is who's going to be active, I think, for Tennessee. Because uh, Danico Autry didn't play in yesterday's game against the Chargers. I thought that was a very big loss for this team, especially for what he can bring as an interior pass rusher. Jeffrey Simmons, the main thing that I can tell you right now is Lovey Smith said yesterday part of the reason they wanted to move Titus Howard inside was because they have so much respect for Chris Jones as an interior pass rusher. If they do that again with Titus Howard, that may eliminate one of the pass rushers for the defensive front in Tennessee, which could be a big deal to get pressure on Davis Mills. My main concern with a team like Houston is when you go up against a team that has very, I don't want to say it's bad, but it's very hit or miss secondary play this season, especially at the cornerback position. It feels like when you look at Tennessee, they could get some points if they're healthy at the wide receiver position. But Brandon Cooks wasn't active last week. Nico Collins hasn't played for the last three games. Chris Moore's your leading receiver. Philip Dorsett's your other main name. And really, Tegan Quintoriano has been a very serviceable tight end, mainly because of what he brings to the table as a blocker. But at the same time, if he's not inside the 10-yard line, they don't throw him the football. So he's a red zone target, and that's it. So if you can't get in the red zone, you're really looking at number 15, 15, and 15. So basically tell Roger McCreary, hey, 
cover 15, shut them down, and make this offense have to run the football with Dari Ogunabale and the likes of Rex Burkhead. I mean, Rex Burkhead is still in the NFL, and he's seeing meaningful snaps in Houston because of the, the overall offensive consistency of what you have right now. I think that because Ryan Tannehill at least is showing that grit and determination. I mean, we all saw the run yesterday. It was, it was a great run play for them to be able to punch it in, tie the game against Los Angeles. If they can do that and they can run the football with Derrick Henry, who, by the way, has owned the Texans. I mean, we all know the stat line. Two of his top games have been against the Texans, and he broke his own record by beating the Texans when they played against each other earlier this season. I think this should be a runaway game. I, I just don't trust Houston right now. I think the one interesting part is it is 41 degrees here, and it is only going to stay this cold for the rest of the week. It is not getting up past th- uh, 51. So maybe because of the weather and atmosphere, what they're going to be doing practicing outside, that gives them the benefit of where they can push the ball downfield, maybe pick up a few more first downs. They did a really nice job of converting on third down in Dallas. So if they can do that, I give a lot of hope for this team, and I give a lot of hope that there's going to be at least a bit of consistency I just don't think that's going to be possible. I will say Tennessee wins by at least a touchdown and they get back on their winning ways, which I think is exactly what they really need at this point, mainly just to show the fan base. We're still the team to beat in the AFC South. Yeah. in the NFL world in general, I think Derrick Henry, if he can do what he's done against Houston the last few times, that'll be the difference in this game. If the Texans defense is able to shut him down, I honestly think the Texans could get their second win of the season in this one. I mean, it's funny because like last year, Houston was, I think a 10 point underdog in this game and they had the four turnovers. They ended up winning as one of their four wins. So they do play well in games that they aren't supposed to win last year. They beat the chargers. They've been playing well against Dallas. They played well against Kansas city, AFC South matchup. Potentially they get an upset here or there. I picked them to get at least one more win on the season. I thought it was against Indianapolis. Maybe it is against Tennessee. I, I, I just feel like that the way that Derrick Henry bullies the likes of Houston every single time they meet up on the field, it, it just feels impossible. Like, like, like to me, it's one of those times where, and this is always a fun story. I remember growing up and watching T.Y. Hilton every single time that he touched down in Houston. He'd go off for like 200 yards. Yeah. It's the same thing with Derrick Henry. Like, it's the exact same thing. New team, same division, different position, but still same result. One player just goes ham and makes you regret every single thing that you ever did throughout the rest of the year. Isn't that the truth? Look, Cole, we've appreciated so your time so much today. Thank you so much for joining us. Fun fact for our listeners that don't know, Cole and I started at the Draft Wire USA Today yeah. about seven years ago, roughly. I mean, I was pretty, essentially an intern at the time. Cole, I think, was just getting out of uh, school there at Alabama. So we go way back, Cole and I. Uh, you know, Cole was so helpful when I was getting started there at the Draft Wire and Super appreciate you, Cole. So glad to be able to catch up with you and uh, still see you doing big things, as I knew you would. Melo, you always make me proud. All right. Thanks, Cole. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right. Thanks again to Cole Thompson there, giving us the insight into this matchup with the Texans. Justin, before we give our own thoughts and predictions, let's hit our worst matchup of the week, presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. If you don't know what I'm talking about because you haven't been paying attention all season long, the worst matchup of the week is in reference to the amazing worsts burgers and beers you can get at the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. But for us, we're looking at the Titans' worst matchup with an O, not with a U. Where are you going going into Houston? And honestly, it's tough, right, because this Texans roster is so devoid of talent right now, and everyone they have that, that is good is hurt, right? Like Brandon Cooks is hurt and Damian Pierce is hurt. Uh, Derek Stingley is hurt. But I am going to go with one. Um, that has really captured my attention going way back to 
even October, November of, of uh, last year. And that's the rookie safety, Jalen Petrie. I am such a big fan of his game. He was one of my favorite safeties in the 2022 NFL draft. I was a little bit mad when the Texans drafted him. I hate seeing players that I love go to division rivals. But I was a big fan of his. I thought he was underrated throughout the process, the pre-draft process, that is. I thought Cole hit the nail on the head. It's been a little up and down for him this year, as expected as, you know, a sort of second, third round rookie that's been immediately catapulted into a starting job the way he has. But I'm telling you, I've watched a lot of him this year. When he's played well, he's been outstanding. So when I look at him, his ability to take away the football, his penchant for being around the football, and I pair that with the Titans' struggles to move the ball down the field in a downfield passing attack that, as you all know, is struggling mightily. You heard us kind of go on a rant on the recap episode just a few days ago. That's where I'm going with my worst matchup of the week. I think Jalen Petrie is a young, ascending, ball-hawking safety, and I think he's a bad matchup for this Titans passing offense. I fully agree with you. I'm going to go a slightly different direction, going back to something that Cole said there about the way Lovey Smith has been using these delayed pressures. I think the Titans offense is the perfect matchup for a team that wants to run delayed pressures against because the receivers don't separate quickly and the offensive line doesn't block well. So I'm looking at Christian Kirksey, and Blake Cashman, the inside linebacker position for the Texans, who both had sacks on Patrick Mahomes last week. If they are running some delayed blitzes and coming up the front of that Titans offensive line and the Titans receivers are not getting open, I could see Ryan Tannehill forced to hold the ball a little too long and one of these linebackers coming in and making plays on third down, sacking the Titans, killing drives, and stonewalling the Titans offense. So that's where I'm going with worst matchup of the week. I got to say, overall, I do not feel good about this game because how could you possibly feel good about the Titans after watching them the last four weeks? I mean, they have been struggling in every facet of the game. They finally put a good defensive effort on the field last week, but it was not enough because the offense is so bad at moving the ball and scoring points. If you had to pick a winner here, I mean, I think what I said there at the end with Cole is is really the difference in this game. If Derrick Henry runs like Derrick Henry ran against the Houston Texans earlier this year and like he did in 2020 when he went for 2,000 yards, if he has a 200-yard, two-plus touchdown game, then the Titans can can win this. But if he doesn't, if they are able to stop Derrick Henry or if he only has a, a good, quote-unquote, good game where he goes for like 100 yards and a touchdown and 40 receiving yards, the Titans' offense is probably only ending up with 14 to 17 points. And I don't know if that's enough to win a division game against an opponent who knows you and knows what you want to do, especially like, again, the injury report I think will be crucial to, to monitor this week because if Christian Fulton and Danico Autry can get back and Monty Hooker can get back in this game, it's totally different than if the Titans have to play without them. And I say that knowing how well the reserves played against the Chargers, but just in this game where the opponent knows you so well, I feel like you got to have your stars on the field. Titans haven't been able to do that much this year. Same goes for Traylon Burks. If he can get back from a nasty concussion he suffered a few weeks ago. I don't know. I think I would go Houston 20, Titans 17. Titans hit the the full rock bottom of this downward spiral and then start to rebound on a short week on a Thursday against the Cowboys, which I don't expect them to win. But, you know, you could see them bouncing back a little bit and playing competitive football if they really rock bottom out here. Again, this game's on Saturday. So the short week following it on Thursday is not as short as a typical short week. But yeah, this Christmas Eve game, the last time the Titans played on Christmas Eve, maybe they've played again since then. But I feel like the last time that they actually had a Christmas Eve game was the day Marcus Mariota snapped his leg in half. So uh, oh, oh boy. not a good history there for the Titans. 
I'm cautiously optimistic, and I, maybe this is naive of me um, because we should probably know better when, when it comes to the Titans and injuries, but I'm cautiously optimistic that they're going to get a few guys back for this game. And uh, call it a guesstimation. Of course, the status of Ryan Tannehill looms large. That's probably the biggest one. Probably the most threatening one, in all honesty, because it's a short week. And we saw what happened with the ankle last time. Sometimes it swells up, right? The adrenaline wears off throughout the course of the week, and maybe he's unable to go. But I, I, I'm operating under the impression that Ryan Tannehill will play in this game. And I think you're going to get a couple of these other guys back. And again, I, I could be naive. I could be wrong. But it felt like, for example, Traylon Burks has already missed two games, I think, right, with the concussion. So you figure he's going to be able to clear concussion protocol and hopefully get back for this one. Dina Kowatri seemed really close to coming back um, in, in Sunday's loss against the Chargers, right? He had a couple of limited practices throughout the course of last week. So I think you're probably going to get Dina Kowatri back. I think you're going to get Zach Cunningham back. Again, he was, you know, they, they triggered his 21-day window. He was, all these things indicate all these guys were close, right? I would imagine Christian Fulton was really close to getting back for this uh, that pa this past game. I imagine Amani Hooker was really close to playing. Like I, I don't think all of these guys were obvious outs against the Chargers. So you add in a five, six more days, I like to think a lot of these guys are going to get back, if not all of them. I think Trey Avery is probably close to coming back. And certainly he's not going to swing the pendulum too much, but you'd rather have him than a John Reed or a Greg Maven. So if you can get back a Dean, even just a few of them, a Dean Coatry, Ryan Tannehill plays, Christian Fulton, one of Amani Hooker or Zach Cunningham, I start to feel better about, I don't know if I said Traylon Brooks, but he's obviously a big one as well. I start to feel better about this game, especially with the way Derrick Henry has run the ball against this team. And a lot has changed since he went off for 220, whatever he had against them a few weeks ago. Titans can't run the ball since uh, too effectively, although we did say, you know, Henry's gone over 100 yards lately again. Two games in but a row. Houston's defense is also playing a lot better, right? So th there's been changes on both sides of the ball, but... I'm cautiously optimistic that Henry has a, another good game. I'm cautiously optimistic that a lot of these guys are healthy and come back for this game. Maybe even they circled this one. It might sound silly, but as a divisional game, you know you need to have it in, in this, in this in tiebreaker scenarios. I'm going to go Titans 23, Texans 14. Okay, nice. Some optimism there, and we have differing predictions, which is always good. Hashtag content. That will do it for this episode of the Music City Audible. Thanks to everyone for listening and continuing to tune in, even when the Titans are struggling. We really appreciate you all. And we appreciate the pharmacy, burger parlor, and beer garden. Make sure you stop by and tell them the Music City Audible sent you. Check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. Become a Broadway insider. Yeah, become a Broadway insider today. It's $6.99 a month. You could use the code INSIDER to get your first month for just 99 cents or use the code ANNUAL uh, for a total of $49.99 for your first year. Lots of great uh, benefits to becoming a Broadway Insider. We've got the Mike Herndon Show uh, behind the paywall. That's a weekly video show going out every week with your favorite Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. That's obviously a big perk to becoming a Broadway Insider. You get early access to some of the podcasts, uh, a lot of written content behind that paywall. Whether that written content comes from me, it comes from Zach at uh, F1. Pod. Uh, it's coming from Easton. There's a lot of content coming your way if you're a Broadway insider. Become an insider today. You won't regret it. And look at all the other podcasting content Broadway Source Media has to offer. Follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. You can follow me at Titans Film Room. And we will be back next week. I was a little confused last week. I said we would be back this week for a doubleheader episode because of the Thursday game. And I got a little confused. That Thursday game is actually the next week. 
against the Cowboys. Titans play on Christmas Eve, and then we will recap the Texans and preview the Cowboys in a double episode next week, so stay tuned for that. Until then, you guys stay safe out there, and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.